All right, thank you, Mr. Foley, President Foley, for coming, well, having us come in today, sure. allowing us yeah. uh, to interview uh, you. So I'm gonna begin by introducing myself. My name is Nicole Miranda. I am a communications and media production major. Right. Right. I am in my second year here at NYIT. And before we start, I want to make um, a, a clarification that I'm here as, not just as, you know, editor-in-chief of the school newspaper yeah. or like a reporter or anything sure. like that. I'm here as a student, concerned, yeah. just yeah. wanting information so sure. then I can follow back with my fellow Good. NYT peers and, you know, smoothen the transition of how, how, wherever and however we're going to go. Good. So, um, I'm, I came to NYT Manhattan because there were I feel like NYT offered so many more opportunities for communications mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, compared to you know other colleges in New York City, which I love. There was more opportunities here since it was the city. Uh, I came through the EDU Plus program. I'm not sure if you know what that is, but it's. Uh, I had a good GPA, but my SAT scores were yes. not too good, yes. but right. or vice versa, well, depending on like the student. Yeah. So I got through that program. And then my first year went amazing. Mm -hmm. Besides classes, I did an externship. I, you know, uh, had like a part-time job in the equipment room. And then uh, this year comes along, and I was appointed editor in chief of the school newspaper, Great. Manhattan Great. Globe. Yeah. I also created Manhattan's Voice, which is our school podcast, right. Right. with my two co-hosts, Julian West and David Gustavo Contreras. And it's been going great. Um, have the guy say hi, but you've already met them. Um, and I just want to thank you again for letting me. My pleasure. Be here and Fun. interview you. And I'm so glad to hear you're having a great experience. Yes. That's what we want. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. You are what our mission is all about. Uh huh. Yeah. So um, we're going to begin by having you explain us, uh, explain to us your educational background and how you started. Oh, so. good. Good question. Well. Uh, like many of the students at NYIT, I was a commuter. And uh, I didn't come from a wealthy family, and commuting was a really terrific option for us. Mm -hmm. right? So I could go to a school that was better than maybe some of the other schools I might have gone to, uh, because all I had to do was pay for tuition. My parents would help me with that. Uh, so I went to Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, I studied chemistry. And I didn't have much of a vision for myself, to be honest with you. I studied chemistry because it was practical, and there was a jewelry industry in, in Providence and in Rhode Island. And I thought, well, uh, I ought to be able to get a job with this, and that's about as far ahead as I thought. And then in my junior year, uh, uh, thanks to a very nice faculty member, I won a small award to take two weeks in January and to go to Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, to just take a two-week short course. Now, um, that changed things for me a lot. Uh, like you, it was my first time on a jet alone. What? Right, my, It was first time on a jet, and I was alone. I should put it that way. Uh, I flew out of Providence into St. Louis, Washington University uh, and in those days, and to this day likes to think of itself as the, the Harvard of the Midwest. And uh, when we landed, I got into a taxi cab, and uh, they drove me through uh, the Forest Hills section of St. Louis. And I remember thinking, I've never seen so many big, wealthy 
houses as I'm seeing right now. I'm not sure I belong here, but <laughs> let's see how this goes. Yeah. The bottom line was I barely even remember what the course was about. What I remember is the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And that experience gave me some new insights and some new opportunities in my mind that I hadn't thought about before. So I went from being a guy who thought about local things and local opportunities to being someone who started to think more broadly about broader opportunities, regional, national opportunities. And as a result, uh, after that, after my senior year, uh, I had many different options where I could go to graduate school, but I decided I wanted to go to graduate school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to Purdue University. Wow. And uh, I loved it because it was a blend of chemistry and engineering in a way that, that was quite unique. And uh, it also attracted my spouse, who uh, went to Lafayette College. Oh. And um, we met there in class. And uh, we've been married for 40 years. Wow. So it uh, worked out pretty well for me. Uh, we, left Penn, uh, we left Purdue, went to Penn State because her advisors, her PhD advisors left for a better opportunity. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I decided to go with them to Penn State. So I left over the masters at Purdue, which killed me at the time. <laughs> I didn't want to leave Purdue, but I loved Karen. So I did. And um, we went to Penn State and it all worked out well. And, then we went off and uh, did a postdoc in Delaware. I went into chemical engineering. She worked for DuPont, and the rest is history. As they say, we have two beautiful daughters who are in their 30s. Uh, one's a PhD in biology, who uh, spent two years with Teach for America in inner city Baltimore. Changed her life. She is now uh, an upper level administrator uh, for the charter school system in uh, Denver. And my other daughter went to um, uh, after Penn State went to uh, William and Mary and got a law degree and uh, practiced law for about a year and said, Dad, I hate this. <laughs> and and uh, somehow found her way into IT and uh, worked for Epic Technologies in Wisconsin and uh, became an expert in that sort of thing and that's what she does now. Wow, you're, there's so much background well, I don't education. Know. You know, education I, is important. I mean, it's crucial. Yes. It, it's, it's the key differentiator yes. in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've had the pleasure of being at Delaware in chemical engineering, top five department. I was department head chair professor at Penn State in chemical engineering. Mm -hmm. Moved up, became a vice president. Then I went off to the University of Missouri. Mm -hmm. And uh, just before I came here and for about a year and a half, I was the person that was the interim chancellor mm -hmm. that tried to calm the campus down and move it forward. And then I was very fortunate to come here. Mm -hmm. and one of the things that attracted me most about the school uh, was the diversity of the student body. Mm -hmm. yes. And I really believe in that and the mission. Yes, awesome. So you've been NYT's president for the past three years now, June Almost. 1st. not quite, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So congratulations on that, Thank that's you. a major accomplishment. So what were your initial thoughts as the transition from the interim chancellor at Missouri, yeah. uni like University of Missouri to New York Institute of Technology back in 2017? I, I had to pinch myself every day, it was so much, <laughs> is this gonna go online? I should be careful, but not because <laughs> the University of Missouri wasn't great, it was, it's a great school. But because for the first time, I wasn't worried about what the governor thought. I wasn't worried about what local legislators thought. I wasn't worried about all those politics that go with being in a public university that mm -hmm. become kind of overwhelming. 
and I could really focus on the mission here. Mm -hmm. And so from that perspective, it was just wonderful. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what were some skills you took from your job at MU from those uh, from that year and a half that you brought to the table for NYIT? So appreciating the difference between diversity and inclusion, probably more than anything else. So we had achieved diversity, so to speak, at uh, the University of Missouri, but no one had really thought about inclusion of diverse students and how the campus had to change uh, in relation to them. Mm -hmm. And so it was a majority campus, it was very old, first school west of the Mississippi River, and it wanted to do the right thing, which was get diverse. Mm -hmm. But uh, people hadn't really, I don't think, thought enough about what it would be like to be a first generation student from uh, you know, a, a minority background in a majority white school uh, with historical roots that went way, way back. Mm -hmm. So I think good intentions. Uh, but not necessarily the right attentiveness to the details of what needed to be done mm -hmm. to accommodate those students, make them feel welcomed, and then to continue to support them throughout mm -hmm. their, uh, their career mm -hmm. at the university. Uh, while on the topic for skills, yeah. uh, what do you think are your greatest strengths and weaknesses <laughs> with com coming with the job? Uh, you know, I have a lot of experience. Uh, I am not I haven't come to this job early in my career. It's later in my career. Um, I'm not looking for my next position and using this as a stepping stone uh, to it. This is where I really want to be and where I really want to uh, make things much, much better. So I think that's a difference, perhaps, than, than other people who might be in this job earlier in their career. Mm -hmm. I think also uh, having the experience of made mistakes, having made mistakes before and, you know, learned from those mistakes, experience is a wonderful teacher. Mm -hmm. So I think those things, I think I uh, try to focus very much on the mission and then how do we fulfill the mission. Mm -hmm. Great, great. And uh, so how do you think your presidency here at NYIT is going so far? Oh, I'm not going to answer that. I, uh, I love it. I'm having fun. <laughs> Uh, I've gotten a lot of very good uh, feedback, but that's all I'll say about that. Is there anything major that you've learned uh, that has stu um, sticked with you uh, throughout your term here so far at NYIT? Well, you know, I think finances are always difficult, and they're probably uh, more difficult than uh, many people realize. And so we've got to make some changes in order to um, accommodate those financial factors, yeah. those realities mm -hmm. that we face. Because again, it comes back to mission. And our mission is, number one, we provide professional education. Number two, we provide access to that ed education to all students who are qualified. Mm -hmm. Not all students who can afford it necessarily. And that's really where the challenge is. And then of course, we seek to do research and scholarship that's relevant mm -hmm. to the okay. world. Yeah, and this fall semester just started, yep. and we have a lot of things evolving on campus, like yep. uh, the increase of networking events. Like yeah. today, there's yeah. so many events yep. happening. Today is September 26th. There's the Tech Workforce of the Future, Women and Minorities, right. Right. the Merrill Lynch Info, info Session, uh, Madison Square Garden Information Session on the Student Associ Association Program. Yep. That's happening, and more opportunities for students to ease their transition, because that's always important, too. So so 
this semester there's no stress Tuesdays, fall into healthy habits, navigate your college, and even mental health first aid training and many more useful events. Um, and we should be proud definitely because NYIT okay. has been working so hard to make you know, the transition and the adjustment and, you know, get guiding your way through college right. is yeah. so important and we're really yeah. talking and doing more about it. So, um, I know that um, keeping a balance between life and school is very necessary and it's essential. So. And like to keep evolving because that's obviously important. And uh, another thing evolving in NYT is the NYT logo. Yes. So we're going to talk about that now. Talk about from NYT uh, to New York Tech. Right. So explain how the institution decided to change the logo. Yeah, sure. So we did some research and uh, some informal, some formal. And what we found was that uh, by and large, the NYT logo and name was confusing. And we had given up a really prodigious name, the New York Institute of Technology, for you know an abbreviation that, that never really stuck. Mm -hmm. It never really uh, meant anything to anyone. Uh, the New York Institute of Technology is a fantastic name. And we don't want to ever lose it. We can use NYIT as an abbreviation because it's quick. It rolls off the tongue. But the New York Institute of Technology is, is really the prestige name. And having New York in the name is just fabulous. So we looked at that. We talked a lot about it. We had a consulting firm come in, do surveys, do analyses for us, do market research. And they said, yeah, you're right. You, you really should have the whole name and shorten it when you want to. But the MYIT thing is just not really cutting it. And the second thing we looked at is, uh, from a brand perspective, were just the colors. And it turned out we had so many different colors for sports teams, for uh, clothing, and so forth. Mm. Mike is falling. Uh, Mike's just picking up a little bit of the cloth. Just uh, put it up a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Clothing and the like that we really wanted to look at that carefully also. And we wanted to enrich the colors. So we've gone to colors that actually are very close to the colors of the New York State license plate. Mm. So a little darker blue and a little richer yellowy orange. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, so obviously this was a necessity because, you know, in, an we could say an improvement, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's better to keep evolving than just staying in a yeah. rut. And so. so now on to what everybody wants to talk about, sure. yeah. which is getting to know more of your side of the story of sure. everything that's gone on this past summer. So yeah. Um, yeah. before um, I let you explain your side, I'll, you know, a quick, quick brief yeah. of a student's perspective. Yeah. So, you know, on October, no, I'm sorry, not October, <laughs> on July 8th, uh, the New York real estate publication, The Real Deal, had wrote an article about how how NYT 1855 was on sale well, on the market for yeah. 80 to a million dollars. Right. And obviously as a student, I, I was just shocked at the fact that yeah. I'm learning from a third party and not my school uh, firsthand. And I just didn't know what sure. was to yeah. come. Yeah. And obviously, like anyone, they would be curious. So, But then two days later, you sent out an email on July right. 10th uh, stating that there was no 
let me quote, uh, let me say up front, no sale of NYT New York City is imminent. The word imminent right. really took people, uh, took me too, because sure. it was just like a, a word that people don't throw around. So it was like, maybe it was like, it caught me off guard and it was in a way it's just like, are we mm -hmm. on sale? Why are we on sale? Why are we on this like, you know, site, whatever. Sure. But you yep. calmed our minds and you stated that this was to determine value. It was a, pro a process of a strategic and critical analysis right. of operations and assets. It was a standard practice and for your, uh, well, our ultimate goal is to enhance the value of your education, which is towards the students. Right. So right. a lot of students were really skeptical about the fact that you know there was a publication about it, but yeah. then you're here yeah. to support it and yeah. back it up, saying that no, there is no sale. But then, um, mm -hmm. uh, what I wanted to ask um, was, are you aware of the fact that New York City is the origin of NYT, and and now since if we're fast forwarding to now and us like yeah. relocating, yeah. if we're not president in NYT, uh, why wasn't there an earlier push to preserve NYT's existence in Manhattan. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that mm -hmm. and unpack um, the reasons and yeah. it's going to take a little while. Mm -hmm. It's not a quick uh, answer. So first of all, you know, when, you, when I first got here, we started to look at our finances very carefully and with a new light. And we noticed, for example, that although we had a grand vision for being a global institution, uh, in fact, it wasn't working. It's the simplest way to put it. Uh, when we looked at accounting for what was going in in receivables, revenues, if you will, at several of our sites overseas versus our expenditures, we were spending much more money than we were receiving. Mm -hmm. uh, what that meant ultimately is that it was as if we were subsidizing students overseas at those locations with tuition dollars from students in New York. Mm -hmm. Right, both in Old Westbury and Long, and also here in Manhattan. So one of the first things the board uh, wanted to do was to look at that and to come to a decision on what we needed to do. My first year here, we decided to teach out in Abu Dhabi and several places in China. Now our location in Vancouver is doing quite well mm -hmm. right now. Uh, it's perhaps partly due to geopolitics, right? Students who used to come here from South Asia, graduate students, now go to Vancouver because there are better policies for residency and for occupancy and for jobs than there are right now in the United States. With another election that could reverse, we'll have to see what happens. Mm -hmm. But I have to give the people in Vancouver, our, our faculty and staff, a lot of credit. They've done a great job mm -hmm. and it's thriving. It's really bustling. Uh, of course, we have a medical school center in uh, Jonesboro, and that's very exciting. We looked at that and we thought this is terrific. Having lived in Missouri, I knew something about the uh, dire need for medical care in the Mississippi Delta, which is one of the uh, poorest regions of the country. And the goal there that Arkansas State had was to try to grow young medical students sort of from their own uh, environs so that they would come to school there, get their degrees, and stay there. Okay, so we looked at all that, that looked good. Next thing we had to do is we had to look at these two campuses and what was happening in New York. And what we very quickly found 
was that um, we were really depending on the medical school to balance the books. And some years we did and some years we didn't. Um, just so you know, we had, it's not quite, but it's almost 50-50 between undergraduate students, graduate and professional students. Uh, so, for example, in Westbury, in addition to the Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine, we also have the Doctorate of Physical Therapy, the Doctorate of Occupational Therapy, and, and Physician's Assistancy, which is a master's program. If we look at our revenues, approximately $300 million in revenues, about two-thirds of those revenues are from grad and professional students, one-third from undergrad. So undergrads pay, on average, about $20,000 a year. Uh, for tuition at, at NYIT. Graduate students, on the other hand, are paying well over $45,000 a year on average, and the medical students are actually paying $60,000 $60, a year. Well, it turns out that that situation will no longer grow. We can't raise tuition on the medical students, nor should we, uh, and we can't, we can't increase the numbers because they're capped by accreditors in this case, COCA. So as of this year, we realized that we would no longer have any growth in the medical school. Secondly, at both the old Westbury campus and the Manhattan campus, um, enrollments have diminished, diminished considerably yes. since 2011. And it's not demographics. Uh, we haven't hit the demographic crunch yet. That's coming in another two or three years when high school graduations in this region really tail off and drop quickly. In fact, high school graduation rates have been pretty flat for the last few years, and it, we've seen enrollment go down. So we had to analyze that. And what we realized is the big factor in that was facilities, right? When students came in, labs here, labs there, as taking labs as an example, uh, the labs weren't as good as what they had used in high school in many cases. Furthermore, this building and many of the buildings in uh, Old Westbury are very old. Uh, have not repaired, been repaired. So we dug further, realized facilities is an important part of this. Uh, and what we found, and I'm only telling you part of the story, at the same time we're laying out strategies for putting the student experience first, mm -hmm. for getting people to realize, both teaching and staff, that every day what we produce are student experiences, mm -hmm. like the one you're having right now, yes. right? It's not, we don't produce students, we don't produce degrees, you earn them. We produce small and large student experiences, and all of them have to be positive. And if they're not positive, then that gets back into the feedback loop, and that drives down your enrollment. Mm -hmm. So we looked at that pretty carefully and started to really march forward on that. Then we looked at financial aid besides facilities, and we realized that we were creating situations with financial aid uh, that made it difficult for students who didn't quite make the GPA that they needed uh, for merit-based aid to stay. So in the last year or so, we've tweaked that, we've changed that. And uh, part of the reason why I hired Dr. Gonzalez to come in as our provost is that, you know, I knew of him. And I knew of his great work at UTEP with uh, Hispanic youth, youth at risk, and how he had had tremendous student success there. When he came to interview, I said, Junius, I think the situation here, surprisingly enough, is not that different. Mm -hmm. And so the skills that you know, the tools that you know, can we could put in place for student success here, and that will really help. And by the way, we've just had a big jump 
in graduation and retention rates. He's very proud of it. Wow. Went from 66% here to 82% and from 75 to 80% in Old Westbury. That's awesome. So kudos to Dr. Gonzalez. That's yes. why we hired him. Okay, it's a long story, yeah, but I, no. want, I want you to know the whole story. So then we started to look at this building, and faculty and others told me they complained a lot about the space here in uh, Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And if you walk around the building, uh, what you find out is that it's, I hate to use the word, but it's pretty dilapidated. Uh, and there is an adequate space. Students are crunched. When we wanted to try to find space for a veterans lounge, it was very difficult to do, and we thought we needed it. We finally got it done. Um, so little by little, it started to dawn on me that although I love my office, and they brought me here on my interview, <laughs> and it was overwhelming, right, for a kid like me to look out there at Central Park, <laughs> I started to um, distance myself from that emotion, from that passion, and realize that I had to look at it dispassionately. And so, again, it takes a lot of time. Uh, I've told faculty this, that part of the other thing we need to do is we need to bring all of our IT systems up to speed to a better level for enterprise systems because it turns out every time I ask a question, it's a research project here, whereas it should be to do, 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 and a report comes out. So we then had to do some analyses of this campus versus the old Westbury campus. Or the way to put it is not versus, but in addition to. We had to look at both of them. And to our surprise, what I found out was that because we were crunched for space in this building, we had leased space in 16 West, 26 West, 61st Street, 30 uh, West 60th Street, and the AOB. And I fully understand why. However, the leases were incredibly expensive, and particularly the one in 16 West. Furthermore, they're what are called triple net leases. This is more than you really want to know, but you need to know it. Mm -hmm. And that is, in addition to paying the base lease, we also have to pay maintenance, repair, utilities, and taxes. Well, to make this clearer, the costs here are exorbitant. Now, then, Junius went out and, at my request, looked at, you know, what are our students like coming from here? And what we found was that the average family income of students in Manhattan is $39,000 a year. In New York City, that's near poverty level, if not poverty level. So there's not a lot of extra money around, if you know, in these families. So the need that these students have is high and increasing. Furthermore, the groups that, the only groups that are growing, uh, the only group that's growing um, is the Hispanic demographic, and that demographic is going to need more financial aid. And it's in our mission to serve those students. Right? We can't just say we're not going to serve those students. And we're not a state school, so we don't have the state backing us up. So finances become really, really important. Economics become really important. We want to fulfill our mission. What had to have happened here that didn't happen, Nicole, unfortunately, is we had to have a lot more students who came in from overseas, particularly from China, who were so enthralled with the idea of being in Manhattan that they'd pay almost full price for a year to go to school here and then get a degree from their school in China and a degree here, or a joint degree between the two. Some of that happened, but not nearly enough to make ends meet. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, 
I kept getting more and more bad news. Uh, and uh, what we concluded was we had a chronic problem here. And I can boil it down to two numbers for you now. And it takes time to do all of this. Uh, but I could boil it down to this. The cost per square foot, how many dollars per square foot does it cost us to occupy space here versus dollars per square foot in Old Westbury? And the number's astonishing. Uh, it's 16 times more expensive here uh, because of the leases. We own this building and we own that little building. Um, but it's $90 a square foot here for operations and maintenance. And it is $5.50 in Old Westbury. Now, unfortunately, you know, if we were skyrocketing in enrollment, if Manhattan were such a drawer for so many students, that wouldn't be happening, right? We wouldn't care about it because our revenues would be going up mm -hmm. in, at least at the same pace as our, our expenditures. But they're not, right? So the, the way leases are written, and we have 15-year leases, which is why we have to pay taxes, those leases go up every year. They get more expensive because landlords aren't stupid. They know there'll be some amount of inflation and they want to account for that. So when you sign the contract for the lease, you agree to that. So between now and 2033 on 16 West, for one example, we owe $161 million. That's a lot of money. For all the other leases, uh, if we stop them when they come up and add it all up, it's like $250 million, a little less, 240 Those are really big numbers, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're big numbers, and we're on the hook to pay them. We can't get out of it. There's no, you know, I can't go kneel in the road and beg. I could, but it wouldn't matter, right, because this is business. So um, we had to do something. Now, in addition, those are the chronic problems. Then there was an acute problem. The acute problem was that we then found out that our neighbors next door are going to demolish everything over here. Sorry, maybe that's not on camera. The demolition is going to be brutal, right? And I must admit, in the spring, I met with a number, two of my VPs and general counsel and said, can we get business continuity insurance? Because it was really bad when they tore down the building across the street and took three years to build what's there. Um, everyone has assured me, I wasn't here, that it's going to be much worse in their next door. So now we had a set of chronic problems, and suddenly on top of that, I now have an acute problem. That's when uh, we started talking to uh, James Kuhn, who's, who's a, an expert in nonprofit uh, real estate deals. He works with NYU, he works with Pace, he's worked with Pratt, he works with Cooney. And his advice to us was to get out of here. Uh, he gave us the range 80 to 100 million. A number of us were skeptical. I'll be honest with you. That's why we had to put it on the market to find out. So it was an assessment, if you will. But even he said, you'll never know until you put it on the market. My guess, and I, I'm an expert in this, I, uh, I thought he was estimating high. And uh, I didn't think we'd get the kind of uh, offers that he thought we'd get. And some of the rest of us were skeptical also. So when we put it on the market, it was with that kind of thing in mind. This was sort of a test of the market. Uh, assessments won't do that. But we did know this, and the board had agreed to this in May. They said, you know, if you get the numbers that he's talking about, then we very seriously should think about moving, and we should think about where. Uh, so 
that leads us to almost where we were in July. Yes. Um, to spare people, there's two elements of this. Number one, it's business, right? So we couldn't disclose it because he told us not to, right? Real estate said, no, lock it down. We're going to uh, put, out, uh, put out the information. People will have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. That wasn't because I wanted to be secretive or tricky or anything. That's just business. That's how it's done. Um, my plan was to bring all this up again, although I've brought it up with many people independently, mm -hmm. individuals and groups and certain other groups, and I've given lots of talks on this, preparing people for this. Uh, my plan was that we would take it up in uh, August and September. Unfortunately, word leaked. Yes. Right? And was I surprised? Not really, given that it's New York City. Uh, Catherine Flickager and I had prepared her statement to go out in June in case this happened. Unfortunately, a lot of other people wanted to see it and got involved, so it took a little longer to get out than I wanted. Um, I wasn't feeling, I mean, I knew it would cause consternation, but I also knew I could explain it and that reasonable people would really understand it and they would understand that putting students first meant that we really did have to do this. Now, we went through the bid process in August, and uh, to my surprise and delight, in fact, our real estate uh, advisors are right. The building's worth a lot of money, enough so that we could almost double our endowment. Doubling our endowment means, you know, that's a lot more money that we now will have in the marketplace making money. So instead of losing money on this site, which we are right now, We'll take money out of this building, put it into the market. That will generate money. Secondly, uh, we'll stay here in, eight, in 16 West 61st for sure, and also in the AOB. And the thinking there is that that'll be our presence in Manhattan. And what we'd really like to do is high-end graduate programs, again, because they help to subsidize the undergraduates who we want to educate. So money is fungible. Right? We don't say this is graduate school money, this is undergrad school money. We mix it all. And that's how we make uh, ends meet. And then the next stage of it was to just really go through in detail and say, okay, how much can we afford uh, in new space and at what level? And you very quickly realize there are only two places we could go. We could go to lower Manhattan in some places, or we could go to Long Island City. And then it comes a question of, what's available, what's better. But when we do the economics, we're looking at costs for leases that are between $35 and $45 per square foot, not $60, $70, and next door $120 per square foot. So suddenly now the economics start to work. We could get more space. We can have a better environment. And frankly, I think we can grow. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different prospect than here. We can't grow. So let me summarize. The economics are a problem chronically. The demolition and construction is going to be an acute problem. Uh, we need to help more students right, succeed. We're number seven in the nation in taking students from the lowest 20% of economic incomes to the top 20%. Now, life's not all about money, but having enough money makes life a lot easier. You don't need too much, but you can't have too little or else you suffer. And so we take great pride in the fact that our students you know, do well. So in a nutshell, and there is no way to put it in a nutshell, <laughs> there are chronic problems. We can't stay here. Uh, we just can't afford it. And secondly, there's just such an amazing opportunity 
if we're willing to take the leap of faith that we could go elsewhere. Uh, one other piece I should have mentioned that I didn't mention is that uh, Dr. Gonzalez and his team also looked at where our students come from in this campus. Now you come from New Jersey. Uh, a certain percentage, less than 10%, come from New Jersey, and we care about you. Don't get the wrong idea. Uh, but about 70 to 75% of our students come from four places. Uh, Brooklyn and Queens, that's 65%. Nassau County, a few come over, and the Bronx. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for a place where we have excellent public transportation, right? Where we can have more space, where we could grow over time, where we could be you know, kind of like what New York University did in Greenwich Village from when I was your age till now, mm -hmm. right, is Greenwich Village went up because New York University went up. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're looking for an opportunity to be in the next best place. This is a cool place if you're wealthy, right? True. If you're a boomer, my generation, it's kind of fun because you can, well, I can't afford to go to the restaurants here. Not really once in a while, but some people can. Uh, but you can't, and most of our students can't, and I see that too. So I go over to the deli to get my food, uh, or I go downstairs and get food. So I think that's important to keep in mind. I'm hopeful that we could find uh, living accommodations for students who want to be resident students that would be much closer to the main campus than yeah. where people yeah. are now, and, and better, right? They're, they're not close and they're not very good. Um, so again, I think this is for a, gener a different generation is turned on by this and excited by it. Um, it's sort of the BMW Mercedes generation, right? Uh, my people my age. And I think uh, the fastest growing borough in New York City, I don't think I know, is Long Island City. Uh, it's already 27% millennial. And it's just taking off and it's really cool, hip, and we want to be the coolest at the school in New York City. That's the story. It's really that. I wish I could have told people all along, but it's business. Mm -hmm. There are some things I can't. I think I'm the most transparent president in the history of NYIT. We've put our budgets out. We've put our business statements out. We've gone from college to college to explain them. So anything that I can put out, I absolutely do put out. But this, you just can't. You, you got to do it. Uh, the surprise in July was unfortunate. I empathize. But I also say, hey, this is going to be a really neat new opportunity for us and a new day for NYIT. Mm -hmm. And we're still in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, thank you You're for welcome. the explanation. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely needed. Um, yeah. Thank you. you know, I, yeah. My initial thought when I yeah. realized that NYIT was relocating, I was like, well, if it's not in Manhattan, then I'm leaving. But, <laughs> you know, that was my initial thought. Sure. Like, it was just like something that just popped into my head that, you know, I came to NYT Manhattan yeah. for Manhattan. Sure. Like many students, yes. um, a like, we'll have multiple questions, obviously. Yeah. But um, do you think, as the president, do you yeah. think students will follow NYT? to Long Island City? If we go to Long Island City, yeah, I think they will. The majority, the, uh, half of them, uh, I what think, is the percentage do you think? I, I, I'm hoping for 100%. I want you to come there too. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, not only that, but I think we'll grow. I think we'll get larger. 
So we're about 2,500 students here. I have the numbers in my notepad and about, let's say, 12 to 1,500 undergrads, 1,000 grad students. I think most of those will come over. Uh, I want them to. I beg them to, <laughs> please, um, because it's going to be great. The other thing to keep in mind is you're a sophomore. You'll probably graduate from this campus. We're going to be here until summer of 2021. I graduate 2022. Hopefully I graduate yeah. earlier. But either way, I'm still sticking with NYIT. Yeah, thank you. Because I started at NYIT, yeah. and no matter where they end up, well, where we end up, I'm going to last. Um, Can I just yeah, add? Yeah. What we're talking about is 2.4 miles away. That's how close Long Island it is. City? Yeah. I thought it was four. No. But I, go on Google Maps and do it. I did okay. it. It's 2.4 mm -hmm. miles. And, um, you know, the way I put it to people is instead of going north-south on the subway, we'll go Up the same north. or shorter east-west mm -hmm. if we go there. Yeah. If we go to Man lower Manhattan, then it's north-south again. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, speaking on, um, yeah. like, you know, I went to the convocation that um, was uh, hosted August 29th. So yeah. um, I went, there was many things that, you know, stated in the convocation that you just stated yep. about the yep. decrease in students, about how the current situation for NYIT, about the unsustainable financial situation. You know, next door there is going to be the demolishing of the yeah. buildings, which is a good point because who wants to be disturbed because education is important yep. and little things, you yep. know. Um, but there was one thing that I really kind of caught me because it was like fuzzy to acknowledge that like I was sitting there at the convocation acknowledging that my campus was actually going to be relocated to Long Island City and it wouldn't be in Manhattan but one thing that got to me was that you stated how every 10 minutes of the additional yeah. commute then there's a chance uh, chances of completion drop so right. um, when I thought about that I initially thought when I dormed my first year at yeah. the dorms it's like a 20 30 minute commute on a, with, good day. on a good day exactly so you know what does for before I get it further yeah. into the, the question um, how is that going to change for if we go to Long Island City, well, when we go to Long Island City and with the dorm situation? So um, first, that's true. Uh, we know it from our own data, both here and also in Old Westbury, that as we go out every five or 10 miles, the probability of success drops proportionately to the distance, meaning students don't graduate, they don't persist. And I think it's a combination of just stress and working and going to school. Okay. I know what that's like. Mm -hmm. uh, I commuted half an hour on a good day. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first year in my first semester, I had two car accidents. Wow. Right. Yeah. But no, it's not really, I mean, I can get hurt. It happens. But it was just crappy. Yeah. You know, and it was it sort of made for a really stressful first year. Um, but I think for most students, Commuting times will be shorter because most of them come from uh, that side of the river. Yeah. Uh, and then students who want to dorm with us, I'm going to be looking for space to make that happen. Okay. And again, they should be much closer wherever we put them because the whole area is smaller. 
than yeah uh, yeah than, than what New we York have City. Here. Yeah, and yeah. Um, yeah, I've met students that commute from Connecticut yes. and com Pennsylvania. I know. So, and I even I think there was some kid in my advertising class that came from Boston, and it was just the commute. Like, he take his dad was you know uh, worked with United I think or oh, and was maybe some company they and had an and, here. and no and he would fly out. He would literally fly out. I only saw him for one class. I kind of thought he wasn't serious, but he was serious, and you know. Um, well, there are commuters. Yeah, there are. Uh, who come in, not just to MIT, but to the city every day from Allentown, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. to work. Yeah. Uh, it's an astonishing two and two and a half hour commute, and they come in by bus, and they've been doing it for decades. Yeah. So that's not a good student experience. Yeah. Right. What he's doing there, yeah. that that yeah. example, I was, you know, yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. education at NYT can be figured out in a better way for him. But yeah. um, speaking on that note, like acknowledging. Can like, I say something about yeah. that? So the other thing we're working on is more online courses, right? High quality online mm -hmm. courses. So at most big, large universities like Penn State, resident students, students in residence, which is the majority. 95%, take at least one course a semester online in addition to the regular courses, as an example. Mm -hmm. So we need to get that going. And that'll be a part of the mix over the next two years also. Yeah. It's something that we've lagged on, but we won't lag on anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so going back to the main point of what I was trying to say, um, so the with when you said that with every 10 minutes of the additional commute, I feel in, in my personal opinion, if my commute was either 20 minutes, five minutes, or like to an hour, it doesn't matter. And you know, Good. this is like knowledge yeah. that as president, well, as, as me asking, I wanted to know, what do you think your yeah. relationship, what, what type of relationship do you think you have with NYT Manhattan students? Uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. I, I don't have a strong relationship yet with any of the students. I've mm -hmm. worked this week and, um, you know, to try to improve that. But I think what I do and what I have done is to uh, go to all the town halls, mm -hmm. right, to attend the town halls and so forth. But I have to be honest with you, it's hard to, you know, if we could get through this period, it's been two years nonstop of trying to figure out how to make the place mm -hmm. solid. Yeah. sustainable and uh, and so that's really what I've put most of my effort on and mm -hmm. I hope students will understand that mm -hmm. well because yeah. when I bring this up because when yeah. it comes to my mind when you said the 10 minute commute with yeah. you know that quote uh, there's a student on campus here at NYIT Manhattan yeah. he commutes from all of the boroughs because yeah. he commutes from the Bronx uh, maybe because if he stays with a friend he commutes from Brooklyn he yeah. commutes from Queens yeah. it depends because it's he's basically yeah. homeless okay yeah. and in this case um, he's very well known on campus um, he has a job on campus um, he's here every morning till every night yeah. he you know he's amazing and um, I don't think you would obviously know on the top of your head no, who I, I am talking no, about. Yeah. Um, but this is NYT Manhattan student government president, Alan, um, Andre Yu, 
Rosa's Allen. Oh, I met him today, actually. Yes, I had a he great did. conversation with him. He's, he's very intelligent. He's, he's awesome. He's a, he is NYIT. I agree. He is hardworking, dedicated, driven with everything he does. Yeah. And his commute fluctuates from, you know, 20 minutes from the dorms to, like, you know, two hours on a train ride. So I feel like that, I feel as if education is important to the students yeah. they will do no matter what to point. get here and so me personally when i was when you said that i was like i don't know because <laughs> they did on uh, you know well there are the always person. people who yeah. are exceptional and, and he's we'll exceptional mm -hmm. i'm of course quoting statistics yeah so it's a population mm -hmm. and the average but there's no doubt our students are special yeah. and incredibly uh, dedicated. Yes. He was pretty excited about the idea of being mm -hmm. in Long Island City yeah. today. I feel yeah. many, yeah. and I yeah. want <clears throat> to yeah. emphasize this, that many yeah. people yeah. are excited at the fact that we are going to get more space yeah. and you know more opportunities and expansions because and you're right, yeah. and they're, we're overcrowded. The, you know, we aren't using our spaces efficiently. No, you know, no. next door right. there's going to be construction, and you are right. But the main point is that what, from a student's perspective, it's the way that it came out yeah. to the student yeah. body yeah. that truly made us question the relationship we had with NYIT and yeah. with our president, yeah. you. Yeah. Because, you know, in the beginning, we hear from a third party that we're moving and then we're selling and then you say no and then two months later or whatever, you say yes. So yeah. then on September 18th, over two months after the first article about the no sale, you send out the uh, informational uh, email stating uh, update on New York City expansion. You listed wonderful points about mm -hmm. how to help improve financial right. aid, yeah. you know, more space within three miles of Manhattan, you know, we're, you're still reviewing right. the sites, right. and is that still going on, that you're reviewing the we sites? We have a committee that will start probably next week. Okay, yeah. that's awesome, yes, because, yeah. you know, all we, as a student, all yeah. we want to know is if we're going to right. have to transfer, uh, transfer if right. that's their case, or if we're staying, So let you me know. try to explain to you. I didn't know the answers. Mm -hmm. I think people thought I knew yes. last year. I didn't. Um, I didn't know in July. What I told you in July was absolutely true. Mm -hmm. uh, what I told you in August was true. So the situation has continued to evolve. I've learned more, and it's not because I wasn't studying hard. It's because we had to go through the process, right? And so having gone through this process now, we could see a path forward that we didn't know would necessarily be there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I understand. I feel badly. Uh, about the fact that there was any agita that people felt. But at the same time, I could tell you, at every point, we tried to be as absolutely true as we could be because we didn't know whether we'd be at this point or not, and things move quickly in the business world. And we're now in a business world environment, not the usual academic environment. The usual academic environment decisions take years. We have lots of time. You have committees study the problem. This is not that kind of kind of a decision. It's a very unusual decision. Mm -hmm. It's, as I said, somewhere along the line, you know, it's a kind of a once-in-a-generation decision. Mm -hmm. The kind of decision that Alex Schur made to buy this building one day, you know, because it was available. He didn't know how it would work. He just guessed that it would work. And thanks to him, we have this legacy 
uh, that we can cash in on. Mm-hmm. And that's a great yeah. point. I wanted to ask a quick question yeah. too. Um, yeah. Will you still claim that NYIT is in Manhattan if we're in Long Island City? Well, uh, we will have we Our, will have yes. a location here in Manhattan. So yeah, it'll be one of our locations. If we can over the next two years, I'd like to have another location in Westchester, uh, which would be small, again, focused on graduate and professional uh, adult education. And who knows where else? We might, we might find ourselves with a location uh, out on eastern Long Island to serve students out there. And uh, you know, when we started talking with people in Westchester, people in Stanford said, we'd love to have you in Stanford, Connecticut. So you never know. We could have you know, a series of schools, uh, locations for the school around metropolitan New York. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's a wonderful idea. And it just goes back yeah. to why we're sitting here. It's just the way it came out. We, I'm glad that we're sitting down here discussing yeah. this. So now students are informed of yes. what actually went. Good. Because from the beginning, people were like, he probably knew. Like the allocations of like, oh, he definitely knew, but just didn't want to tell us. And obviously they made assumptions because they didn't know. Yeah. And yeah. beyond aware makes you, you know, skeptical and, you know, yes, doubtful. So, you know, getting the chance to sit yeah. down with you and yeah. talk to you ver- is was a wonderful opportunity to now clear up what's in the air yes because it was important and i took surveys uh well from about 50 people uh that um the guys and i created and you know the years fluctuate from a freshman to graduate students and um you know majority you know half and half they're you know first generation students which is fine a bunch of international students from places like china india turkey uh Mm -hmm. you know of france uh and uh, we even asked if um if like transferring over to the new campus would be an option and majority said yes because it isn't about that this isn't a bad idea and that they're mad and upset about that, you know, NYT is, it's just the way all this information came out. But that's why we're here and we cleared information up and I'm so glad we did this. I am too, thank you, you've been wonderful and asked tough questions, good questions, good for you. I try, (laughs) no, I'm kidding. But thank you so much and it was a pleasure speaking with you. We'll do it again. Yes, Uh, definitely. We can do updates as we go forward. Honestly, that'd be an it'd be a great opportunity because not only is this information vital for the Manhattan Globe but also the Manhattan's Voice the podcast that we have going so the more information we know it's an easier um, transition for students to gain the knowledge and um, it's more of a it's a peer-to-peer, you know, yeah, speaking instead it. of like the like the tough, um, you know, president of NYIT saying like whatever you have to say. It's like you know more like yeah. personal. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. let's keep communication. Good. That's important. We come to college to network and communicate Absolutely. and all those Good. amazing things. So thank you so much for your time. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. This was wonderful. Okay. Did we do what you wanted? Yeah, we did. Okay, great. Good. <laughs> thank you so much.